Hello, my name's Dominic Brown, and you're listening to or watching this special bonus episode of the Outside and Active podcast with our guest, Susie Shaw. This is a first for the podcast. We are helping announce a really, really big and important challenge and project. And to do it on a bonus episode, well, more content is better. So looking forward to getting into this conversation and this announcement with Susie Shaw. But before that, if you want to leave a rating, then please do. And also, Forward this on to someone who you think would enjoy it just as much as you. We want to grow this outside and active community. Susie has been a singer, an actress, a TV personality, but now she's turning her hand to a brand new project. And without further ado, let's head straight into this bonus episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Outside and Active podcast. This is um this is really exciting because it's I've never been part of a an announcement. Ah, <laughs> though I'm so excited about it. Excited, nervous. I'm excited and nervous because if I've announced it, it means I have to do it. And before this point, there's been a moment I've been able to get away with maybe not doing this ridiculous <laughs> challenge. No, but once you've said it now, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be held to it. Um, and it's when people are listening this to this, it will be Thursday the sixth of April and the challenge because the challenge starts starts soon. on the 25th of May okay so we're, we're going to chat all about it and and all about you as well but the first thing I'm going to ask you before we talk about that is uh, a question that we ask to everyone who comes onto the podcast and it's what do you love about being outside and active oh everything that it does for your well-being I think the power of being outdoors is really underestimated as we live in this kind of world of TV and games and social media and technology. And as technology is growing, we're becoming less and less reliant on the outdoors and we need it. We need it for our well-being. So for me, it's my dose of daily tonic, just getting outdoors. You know, sometimes I will even hug a tree. <laughs> I like that. Sometimes I'll hug a tree. And I like the way that you started that with, oh, just thinking yeah. of all the reasons, the amount of people that I ask, because we ask that to everyone that go, Oh, do that same thing that that intake of thinking about all of the reasons why they love the outdoors yeah I think as well if if you think about it you know how like coca-cola they sell you a feeling yes. like if you had the outdoors as a product you would be minted because there is nothing like the outdoors that sells you that feeling of ah oh, it's so nice <laughs> and I'm inspired now I want to go and hug a tree so I'll do that later <laughs> right so let's 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 talk about the big reason that you're you're here and the challenge that you're undertaking. So I'll pass it over to you to talk about the challenge that you're doing. Okay, so I'm currently working on a project that is kind of on a mission to... Um, oh, it's on a mission to kind of find the complexities within mental health. Um, I'm a wellbeing advocate, I'm a mental health advocate, and it's a really important topic for me. So within this project, um, you know, we do really kind of deep dive into mental health and, and what is it we can do to help ourselves um, along the way to make sure that we are keeping our mind healthy. But within this project, I am running a crazy running challenge. Of course I am. Um, <laughs> Basically, running's my therapy. That's what I get out of it. I'm a sober plant-based runner and I do things to help my mental health because for 19 years I battled um, with it. So um, so for me, running's my therapy. And um, within this project, we discuss the power of running and the power of the outdoors. Um, but this running challenge is insane. So to reflect on uh, one in four crisis that we are in with people suffering in some way every year with their mental health, um, we are running over four days 
I am running over four days. <laughs> there's a sense of realisation. Yeah, there's, there's a realisation. I am running over four days. But every day, I won't know what I'm running. So at the moment, I'm currently training for the unknown. There's two distances I will have to run each day. Um, and I roll a dice and that distance will be determined on the day. Um, will it be 30 miles I run that day or will it be 50 miles I run that day? So potentially I could run up to 200 miles over four days wow. or I could run a mere 130 miles. <laughs> Just that small <laughs> Just amount. Just a small yeah. amount. So it's the, the biggest challenge I have and probably will ever take on in my life. Um, but it is, again, it's a metaphor to mental health when you are in the depths of struggling with your mental health. Um, you don't know what day you're going to have. And so it is a metaphor to that. I don't know what day I'm going to have so on this running challenge. Tra- like you said, you're training for the unknown. And it's yeah. that idea of waking up each morning, obviously not knowing how far you're going to run, but the analogy of waking up in the morning and is this going to be a good day? Am I going to be able to get through today or am I going to wake up and feel like this today is not for me? Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, you know, running 30 miles or 50 miles, I'm not sure is either a good good day, (laughs) to be quite honest. Um, But again, when you're in the depths of it and being there for such a long time, it was, am I just going to survive this day? Is it going to be a really, really bad day? Um, And that's why I wanted to kind of put a spotlight on this conversation by running these big distances. Um, So yeah, I am training for the unknown. I'm currently obviously training that I'll be running 50 miles every day, uh, the max. So at the moment when I'm hitting my long run on a weekend, I'm thinking, why didn't I just stick to just 30 miles every day? Because I don't want to be running 32 miles today. Um, But yeah, because you run kind of, you don't run the entire distance that you'll be running on the actual event. You just kind of run a certain amount of it before before you hit the day but it's also the idea of back-to-back days you have to run potentially 50 miles and then have to try and recover sleep and wake up the next morning to potentially do that again so what's really making you nervous about that that reality of back-to-back day runnings um i've done a few shadow runs now where um the other day i ran a marathon and then my shadow run was a 10 miler and i couldn't do it and that really through the reality of this challenge and I am worried and I'm going through a little bit it's that moment where I'm a bit it's not just the before the run it's the before just the before the run section that I'm in at the moment where everything hurts I'm um really nervous whether I can actually do this I'm really doubting my ability some run days are are great and I feel fantastic and like I said you know um this week when I ran the marathon and then tried to do the 10 mile run the, uh, the day after it hit me so hard that, oh, I have got to do this for four days. And this was a struggle. And this was a fraction of the mileage that I was trying to achieve. So, yeah, I think it's the back-to-back days. Because um, it's it's taking on the physical challenge, but also, I mean, you're already having that mental battle now about, yeah. gosh, I've got to really do this over four days. And there will be times in those four days where you will not want yeah. to do it. So you'll have to, from within, have that, motivation and of course you're doing it for something that you're really really passionate about yeah. and that's close to your life so I guess that will be an element of motivation that is the driver um definitely and I think you know having a charity to raise money for as well um will be a really great motivator I think my worry is um is I'll know what it feels like to run over just over 30 miles my biggest mileage that I will run during my training is 32 miles 
But if I ended up for for some reason getting back to back two fifties, and I've never felt what it feels like to run a fifty mile, and then the day after, you know, or even just a day after a thirty mile, because I wouldn't have not felt what it feels like to run fifty, and then follow it with a fifty or a thirty the day after. Oh my god! <laughs> oh <laughs> so my god! Now. It's recorded. <laughs> oh my god! This has all just become <clears throat> real, really real. For the benefit of the people not watching <laughs> and that are listening, Susie has literally just put her hands, her head into her hands as she's realised the amazing challenge that you've taken on. Oh. But you, this isn't, <clears throat> and you said it would be one of the, if not the biggest thing that you'll ever do. But you've you've done a challenge before the the run for hope, yeah. hold on pains and a pain ends, which was sixty miles over nineteen hours. It was nineteen hours of of, uh, of running of movement. Mm. I mean. How will you draw experiences from that? Because you will say yourself that was not plain sailing at all no. with injury and, and battles. No, it was not. It was really difficult running uh, 60 miles. Um, so obviously I do know how that feels, but I didn't have to get up and run the day after. Yeah. Um, it was just one day, get it done. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that was a nervy, that yeah, was a nervy that, laugh, but, that was a but nervy how did you feel the day after that? Cause then imagine like, having to, like I couldn't run for months and that I was just going to be your kind of five to 10 K girl. See, the problem with that run is that, um, there was a massive realization, um, 24 hours that I'd run it, that I was two miles off completing a hundred uh, km. Yeah. And that really frustrated me. <laughs> if I'd had a completed 100km, I don't think I'd be sat here going, what's my next challenge? And it's got to be bigger. But that happens with, and you've been in the running community now for the last few years, yeah. and you would have you've seen other runners and other challenges as well. And you know, and you have that feeling you've just said about, I've done a challenge, and then you probably finish it and go, oh, I'm never going to run again. And then after a little while, it manifests to go, well, either I didn't quite achieve, mm. like you said, the 100, 100K there, or, oh, what if I do something big? Or, and you're doing it for a great cause as well, mm. and raising money for charity, but you, you've, you're in that mentality now. You're in that ultra-running world. Yeah, I know. I think it's, um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it just really gives you, you know the power of running is fantastic, but I don't know what it is about this this like urge to go the distance and where that comes from. Honestly, if I could figure that out, um, I'd, you know, be able to become a therapist, I'm sure. But I just, I, it's this urge that ultra running just gives you this great sense of resilience and achievement and confidence that, and it's coming out of your comfort zone. And I think this is, this is the lesson that I've, I've massively learned um, through, you know, battling with my mental health to then coming out the other side by fixing the things and changing the things that I was doing in my life, but almost kind of putting myself back into that suffering. So what I've realized is that as humans, we have to allow the suffering to happen. And so if you don't have the suffering, you can't grow from there. Mm. And I think that's why I like to go back into like a place of pain to grow to grow from it and build the resilience and get my confidence and to kind of take me to that next level. Um, and so, you know, on this project that I'm working on, it's been a real eye opener that actually suffering is a part of the human experience. It's learning how to sit in that discomfort and be okay with it. 
And the charity that you're raising money for, yeah. did we, did, have we said that yet? No, yeah, we, it's Mind. I'm raising the money for Mind. They do some amazing work. Yeah. So, you know, it's great to be supporting them. And, you know, so I would really appreciate a donation. It is on the in the link in my bio on my Instagram account. And the project, as you've been talking about, has uh, you resonate with the topic of mental health so strongly. It's been something that you've openly battled with over yeah. you know, over a nineteen year period, and it's probably something that is still time you know still times where there are battles. But mm. let let's take a step back before where running came into your life to almost nineteen years old. You're thrown into a media spotlight with mm. hearsay. How yeah. was that time of your life? Um, gosh, it doesn't feel like it was a part of my lifetime. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was overnight fame. You know, I'd, I'd been working in the entertainment industry all my life. You know, I'd, I'd been on TV at 12 years old in a drama. I'd been in Western musicals. I'd, I'd been working. I'd been working since I was nine years old. So I knew very much what that life was about. Um, but I don't think you can ever teach what fame does. And it's, it's brutal. You know, the, the British press, particularly the time that I was in the spotlight was, um, was hard. It was, you know, the scrutiny, um, the, the, and like discovering of like your personal life and, and disclosure and, and everything that came with that time was, pretty pretty shocking and and I was living a dream and living a nightmare at the same time you know one hand I was doing a job that I dreamed of since I was three years old to be performing in front of people my job was singing dancing and acting but then 50% of it in fact probably 80% of the job was um dodging bullets and kind of navigating my way through fame and that was difficult and I think you know I think the reason I didn't speak up about my mental health for so long was because I felt like I was I shouldn't have struggled because I had it all on paper you know I had success I had the dream gig I was making money mm. but yeah I was secretly battling like really paranoid and didn't know who to trust I was just it was a really it was a tough gig and being in that from 19 years old and growing up in the media, you know, I hadn't discovered who I was and I was told you're going to have to be the girl next door. That's your role. That's the part you play. Come out of your box and we're going to put you right back in it. And then everybody keeps you in that box and you, and it's tough. It's tough to kind of then understand who, who am I? And it's only and only in recent years that I've come away and discovered that. It's really interesting that you say that because I imagine it's really almost claustrophobic you, you feel like you can't you don't have a second to to breathe that there are all you know the media's always there whenever you go outside whenever you're mm. um on television or just there's always someone watching you making having an opinion about you and yeah. it seems like where we're at now in 2023 there's a bit more of an understanding around the challenges of people go through when they're thrown into a spotlight mm. but like you you said then at that especially at that time the me, the the british media there was such an intense yeah pressurized area and people maybe just thought oh you're in the spotlight you're yeah. doing exactly what you want to be doing there yeah. can't be anything wrong with that whereas actually there's an immense amount of pressure there is it comes um you know it becomes your life becomes a lot more complicated you know on that journey from being you know such a young kid to getting into hearsay I was right enjoying the jobs exploring who I was being able to walk outdoors and be me and then suddenly you're in the spotlight and just like you said you know everything comes with judgment criticism you know people telling you who you are and what you should be doing and why did you do that and 
and your life doesn't become your own anymore. You are public property and people will say what they want to say to you. They'll say things like, oh, you're, you know, you look much fatter on the telly. I'm quite surprised. Oh, aren't you short in real life? And, you know, these things are fine. But, you know, it's like the constant, oh, isn't Kim and Miley doing so much better than you? What? You know, it's just like that constant of somebody having an opinion on your life. Oh, why did you date that person? Oh, you didn't. I remember, in fact, I remember very, very famous person's mum. I won't tell you who the famous person (laughs) is, but very famous person's mum saying to me, God, you looked awful in the papers this week. Why did you even leave the house? And I was like, so you're some, you know what this is like for your, you know, your child. How Can you say uh, that to someone yeah. else? And I just thought, you know, this is, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard having that opinion. But at the same time, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunities that I had. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Mixed. Yeah. Like you said, that obviously slightly more, you said 50-50, but slightly more weighted towards the negative areas in in that part of your life. But you see the positive opportunity because you also um, were acting and did theatre work as well. I know that theatre was a great great time for you. Oh, I love love theatre. It's um, one of my first passions. It's nothing better than live entertainment. It is. It's it's my favourite thing. You know, I loved, loved, you know, being in Emmerdale, but it's recorded and it is, I would, definitely describe it as the closest thing to an office job in acting world because you file up your scenes you go onto the set you do your scenes you come off you go home file up your scenes and it's just that kind of repetitiveness but with with theatre you just don't know what what's going to happen what kind of audience you're going to have what kind of performance it's going to be being truly in that moment um is just a yeah it really lifts my spirits and so i really enjoy uh live theatre um yeah and obviously now, I think around since 2020, that fitness lifestyle, that healthy nutrition-based, plant-based, obviously you said, mm-hmm. I want to come on to that. But with the difficulties of going through that time and media pressure, does that present itself in lots of different ways, like having having battles with alcohol and just yeah. maybe not being as active in yeah. life that we know now that that would really help even just getting out for a walk or a run or whatever. Was there a real battle in there? Yeah, I think it comes with a mixture of a, a few things. You know, I was looking for my happiness externally and a lot of the time, if it wasn't through my work, then I had to find it through other things and that would um, entail like alcohol um, and you know, just an unsustainable way of living, cars, holidays, relationships. And I'm just constantly scrabbling around because for so long um, performing um, was my identity. And when I didn't have it, when I was in between jobs, I didn't know what my identity was. I felt like a failure, failure. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I would often, you know, drink, I would go on holidays, I would get bored and buy cars. Um, and then I would just kind of, and, and, and for a long time, you know, it, I was in and out of relationships and just because I wasn't doing the work, I wasn't working on myself because I was scrambling around just trying to find who is it? Who am I? Who am I for so long? Didn't Um, know who I was. And it's a vicious cycle of short term happiness as well. And like you said, the holidays and and the alcohol. Quick fixes, quick fixes. Yeah. And then, and then one day it just got enough. And I just thought, you know what? I know I need to improve my mental health and I know what I'm doing. You know, I know my unhealthy relationship towards alcohol isn't helping it. I know if I went and worked out more, you know, working out as well became a really, 
a hard thing for me to do in a very strange way because I'm very active with my job. So I've always been fairly fit. You'd mm. think that going to the gym wouldn't be a problem. But it was because I was worried about not turning up and being perfect or looking right or I'd lose weight before I go to the gym because of this whole how I should be in the spotlight. And and so, yeah, it just it, my my way of thinking towards activities which you'd think oh we'll just go and do that was just quite distorted so that kind of brings me on to the the, my next question which is was there a sort of cathartic moment where was it a hard stop or was it a gradual period of thinking right now I need to have some changes in my life because Mm. I need to change something for my mental well-being yeah I think um it just got to the point where I and had enough enough was enough with this kind of cloud I was walking under the self-sabotaging behavior this woe me and I just knew that if I changed my relationship towards life in my lifestyle um then I would give myself a chance you know I used to visualize this person who'd be outdoors running being active um I used to think um you know I could eat nutritious foods and feel like this ray of light and bounce within my life and it was just like how do I do that and it was by just purely everyday prioritizing my well prioritizing my well-being I think that's the phrase that you use my relationship with because it's all well and good saying well I'm gonna start running now or I'm yeah. gonna start eating healthy now I'm gonna be you know plant-based I'm going to not drink alcohol but actually if you're not if you're not having the mental sort of positive relationship with those things, nothing's yeah. actually going to change. It's still going to be a short term yeah. Yeah. fix. Definitely. So- I mean, it's, and I think I'd got to the point where I'd trial, trialed these things quite a few times and I'd last and willpower would get me so far. But I think in the end, I realized that actually it's not willpower I needed. It was a shift in my mindset and Although I quit alcohol, I went plant-based and took up running, and that might seem quite a big extreme thing to do all at once. Was it all? At, was it all at a similar Pretty sort of time? Pretty much, yeah. It wasn't actually that hard because it wasn't that I was doing all of those things. I was simply going. I've got a prior- every day. My priority is to pr- prioritize my well-being, and that seemed the obvious thing for me to do was make sure that I was having more whole foods in my diet that I was not drinking alcohol and that I was getting outdoors. Um, and that just seemed like the obvious thing. And that, so therefore I ended up going plant-based, quitting alcohol and taking up running. And, and a noticeable difference in noticeable life. Difference. Yeah, massive difference. You know, even within the, the first month will always be the hardest. The first week is the hardest and it's tough. And, you know, I was exchanging alcohol for a lot of sugar, but it was it was an exchange. I had to do that. And there was a process, you know, um, at one point I was quite junk vegan. And then I realized, actually, this is not helping me. So there was still a journey. I wasn't getting it right. And I think it was about dropping perfection and just going for it and you know the the not drinking was just giving me so much energy um adding more whole foods to my diet was making my skin and my hair and everything my giving again energy and making me feel good and then just getting outdoors you know and whatever pace I was running at or you know where I was running it was just the tonic that I needed to make myself feel good um and doing that consistently over the years has just taken me through this journey of self-worth, um, making myself feel like I can handle, you know, tricky situations. I'm much more resilient. Um, I'm nicer to be around. I'm a way better mum 
partner, friend, um, and I found I found my purpose again because I lost that for so long. And I imagine the support network around you was there because support network yeah. for for your project is going yeah. to be extremely important as well with the people that are going yeah. to be around you to take you through that so yeah so the idea of support networks is massive oh, definitely um I think one of the biggest things that I've learned for so long I was this person who was very well known in the UK um and you'd think I would be surrounded with lots of friends and have this huge connection with so many people but I was really lonely and I would isolate myself and through this transition I've realized like the importance and I call it my three c's the importance of that connection and community is finding your tribe and it might not always be in the way that you think it should be through friends and family you might have to find it through running groups or you know go into like um you know for me like I've got plant-based community that I turn to and a sober community too um but finding, you know, the people who are going to lift you and inspire you and motivate you and help you stay on, you know, this journey of self-improvement. Um, and then my other C's consistency is just having that consistency with um, doing this every, you know, every week, you know, prioritizing my well-being every day, whether, you know, and it doesn't always look like that I'm going out running, though it might seem it on Instagram. I'm not out running every day. (laughs) Yeah, especially at the moment, you know, but like meditation, like, you know, just nourishing myself with good food and being surrounded by people who are supportive. And then the final C is compassion. Um, I had to start loving myself. And actually that was the first thing I did. It wasn't go sober go plant-based or take it running, I had to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, I like you. And that was the first thing that I did um, on this change was go, enough is enough. Stop hating yourself because you you can't get away from yourself. You've got to start loving you to love life. And so compassion was a really big thing uh, for me on this journey. And then therefore that has just translated in my compassion for people and for everyone around me and, and the things that I want to do with my life. Um, and so, how, yeah. how big a part of this is mindfulness and the, the idea of being, I mean, it's kind of all of the things that you've spoken about, but mm. mindfulness is almost a, buzzword what is yeah what is it for you um mindfulness for me is just that self being self-aware is just going on that journey of self-discovery um and I think you know when you're being mindful you are becoming aware of your thinking of your environment and of you know your place on the planet so, um, yeah, I definitely say mindfulness is becoming more aware of who you are. And we're transitioning back into, you know, this, this part of your life, the running. So when you first started running, was it quite difficult? And was there a time where, again, your relationship with running changed to be, I'm just enjoying it. Like this is, is it ever a challenge like you're competitive with yourself or is it always every run I go on is bettering myself or making me just have this time of day where I can enjoy being active? Um, it's a mixture really, you know, when I'm training for a challenge, um, sometimes I'm like, last thing I want to do is run. <laughs> <laughs> I think every runner will, <laughs> no, will appreciate to that. that yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there's, so at the moment it's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not actually going out to run for me. I'm going to run out to make sure I'm ready for this challenge. And and that, I'm finding it quite difficult at the moment to enjoy running. 
But most of the time, you know, I'm out to just explore what's out there, you know, hitting the trails. One of the best runs that I've ever done was, it was a part of a race um, and it was in Croatia and um, I got lost up in the mountains of Croatia um, and found two other of the racers um, on the trails, like kind of hobbling because they'd been doing the race for a good few days prior to what, to when I joined. And um, it took us eight hours to kind of get off these mountains to the end of the race line. But just being in the mountains and taking in the beauty and like sharing stories, life stories, I will never forget how powerful that day was in part of my running journey so far. And so you just don't know. It's sometimes like the, the unknowns or just even being being out and about on your own kind of trails and roads in your own area where you discover things you never thought you was was there and or people or other runners like the other day I was running around down a really busy road and it was it was again it was a shadow run so it was a really hard um run and my legs were killing me and there was a guy who was kind of just behind me and he kind of came back and he said Oh, excuse me, I'm running through. I didn't want to frighten you as I ran past, you know, if you've got your headphones and somebody just suddenly yeah, runs past, it's, it's like shock. <laughs> and this um, this guy started to run with me for a while and we're both training for different things. He was training for the, um, it wasn't the Amsterdam Marathon, it's uh, Rhodes Marathon, maybe. I can't rem- I can't quite remember, but he, he was training for a marathon and then he was asking me what I'm training for. And we started to discuss and we spent 10 minutes of the run together on this major busy road in High Wycombe, which it's a road I don't enjoy running down. (laughs) I prefer to hit the trails. Mm. But it was a really enjoyable moment because a complete stranger who had a love for running, we just shared a couple of running stories and then off he went and I went off in another direction. And, you know, I'll probably never meet that man again in my life. But it was a really special moment. The running community is incredible. incredible. And I imagine the support that you're you're getting and will be getting oh, as yeah. well from members within the community yeah. is incredible. Even at like even at events and running events and marathons yeah. and 10 Ks and park runs, if you've been to one, people will know, but especially for a challenge yeah. that you're doing, people yeah. will bound together and support. Oh, they will. And it's, it is, it's a magical place, the running community, you know, and even if it's just for that, you know, if I don't ever do challenges from here, just to be a part of the running community is really inspirational. Um, I love it. It actually, you know, I just don't think there's any better community. It's just full of people from different walks of life who just have this love for running. And that's, that's why I love it so much. And just joining the different races and going to the national running show and, you know, just even on, on social media as well. It's um, a very, very wonderful, supportive place um, with lots of colorful people i like that description um just before i ask you a few more questions about about the challenge and what you're scared about what you're looking forward to yeah. and a few other bits and pieces just want to ask you about the health, uh, happy health club because yes. that's something that you're doing at the moment that's a, another project that's yeah. all part of this lifestyle so tell me about that yeah so the happy health club um is an online wellness community and it is uh, based around the three pillars of my cha- uh, changes which is the sobriety um, plant-based nutrition and exercise. And um, 
it's an app where people can come and you don't have to be sober or plant-based to to join it it's for anybody um to just come and um just explore and see what they like within the app it's a, it's an application we have fitness classes live and on demand um we do like a, a run day warm-up motivational chat every monday morning to start your week off um we uh we have loads of different plant-based recipes and again it's not about saying you know you've got to be plant-based or vegan to be a part of this community we have it on there because i know what it was like transitioning to a plant-based diet Mm -hmm. um but more importantly it's just great nutritious recipes that help you get more whole foods into your diet to give you that great gut health and um and it's it's just really great health benefits to it so um there's loads of like recipes we do cook-alongs live again and on demand and then we have our sober section again to help people with mindful drinking or you know want to take a break from alcohol or just change their relationship towards alcohol so it's not again about coming in and being sober and we run sober sessions we have videos on sobriety and we have loads of information there and then every month we have an expert come in talking about a completely different subject so we have astrologers come in we have childhood uh, therapy trauma people come in we have uh, women's health people come in we have mindset coaches we've got a range of wellness uh, activities that an expert will come in and talk about so um, yeah it's just to explore well-being really yeah and because you document a lot of your journey on social media as well yeah. obviously there'll be a lot of people that will be inspired by that so that's yeah. a, a medium in which you can support a lot of people that either are going through yeah. um, positive changes like you went through or just to give them some support and exactly. it's, a, it's a medium for that I mean I mentioned social media, that's a big part of your, of your life now still, yeah. but how's your relationship with that change from it being something that I guess out of your control to now in your control? Yeah. Well, I think before I did this big lifestyle change just over three years ago, um, I nearly came off social media and I thought, you know, there's just no point. I just don't enjoy it. I don't like what it's about. Um, all I'm doing is sharing, you know, f- I'm waiting for a nice holiday to go on to share my fancy pictures of me pretending that my life is so goddamn wonderful because that's what I thought you should do on social media or waiting for that showbiz event or showbiz party or the job to show off about. Mm. And I was like, this is just stupid. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we just on there showing off? And, um, and then obviously I was looking at other accounts that talk more about, about specific subjects. And I, I was very close to just completely coming off. And then I thought, well, actually, I'm doing this big change. I'll go through a few months of seeing how I feel about it. And then if I was to continue to use social media, I'll share my journey. And it started, my very first post was to be honest about my mental health and that I'd and be completely transparent. That must have been tough. And that, yeah, I didn't know how that was going to land. And I, when I say... It took me hours to post it. I was filming. I started filming um, probably around about two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was like, I think it was again around May time because it was for World Mental Health Day. And um, I'd started filming and I kept stopping the record. Oh, no, I can't be saying that. I'll start again. I'll start again. By the time I did my final take, the sun had set (laughs) and I was basically in darkness telling yeah the moon was out it was the day after um and so it took me that long and I was so worried about what people 
uh, was going to say. And, and mm. I got so much support. And then loads of people asking, like, how's it been being three months sober? You know, how are you feeling like since running? And and so I just started to share everything on there. And then that turned into this thing that I called the sure happy plan during lockdown. And um, and yeah, we were doing like workouts with with PTs. We were doing cook along with plant based nutritionists. And then I was doing sober chats as well, just talking about my journey. And that's where the Happy Health Club completely evolved from there. It was all by accident. <laughs> but that's often the way that the best yeah. things the best things happen. But um, uh, where, where did the idea for for the, the one in four run come from in this project? Like, was right. it was there a, a moment or is it just a gradual thing of I know I want to support this topic of mental well-being or this charity yeah. and this is how the, this support is resonating? Well, so... The original idea. Um, so one in four people. So I knew it'd be um, running over four days. And so the idea was to run different distances every day. So I, I had this initial idea. There's one in four people. And these these are the mind stats of the charity that I'm raising money for. One in four people will suffer with their mental health in some way every year. So I thought, well, let's run over four days. And as a metaphor to mental health, we'll run like a different distance every day. Now, it was never meant to be 30 or 50 miles. You can imagine where that came from. There's a man called Mike Seaman. (laughs) (laughs) Because originally my idea was to have on different side of dice, there'd be 10 miles and there'd be the um marathon distance yeah a marathon distance and then the max distance would be 50 miles so at no point would there be like you know 30 or 50 miles you know i could get an easy day and just have to run 10 miles so uh, what happened was mike said well actually you know that's really not that big a challenge if you think about it (laughs) I was like, no, I think it is. Nice. I think it it is. He said, really, if you're going to do it and because you've run an ultra, why don't you challenge yourself and do an ultra every day? And silly old me went, all right then, Mike, (laughs) I'll do that. First Um, piece of advice, never go him to him yeah. for ideas especially no, on running exactly just, he will amplify everything by 10, 10 times I know which is, which is exciting but also nervous I know but why don't I learn my lesson <laughs> and I keep coming back for more um, he's like that annoying big brother that uh, <laughs> yes that's a great way of describing him <laughs> the annoying big brother no I've always I've always described him as like the big brother of the running community because he's really I mean he's so supportive mm. and I wouldn't be able to do this challenge without you guys without the national running show so I mean thank you uh firstly but yeah it's just amazing that you know i've got that support to be able to raise awareness and to you know to do these crazy challenges <laughs> what is making you most nervous about day one so the biggest challenge within this time has been getting my nutrition right mm. fueling fueling is really difficult i um have suffered many a times with runner's stomach. I think most most endurance runners do. Um, runner's stomach is awful. When you get runner's stomach, that's like game over. And I got that in the 60-mile run. So it's been on my mind that this will not happen during this time because if I get it on day one, I'm going to have it day two, three, four. Yeah. So day one, if I get runner's stomach, I just know it's going to be a really difficult ride. I have, however, in recent weeks, found a magic potion. 
So, um, yeah, so (laughs) I will share It's um, well, basically it's nothing that exciting, but what it has done is been an absolute game changer on my long runs. I've realized that I don't like get any problems and it's simply drinking maple syrup. Uh, (laughs) Please elaborate. (laughs) But you've got to get the quantity right. Um, So, yeah, so basically um, you have maple syrup mixed with water um, and you sip on that throughout an hour, but you can't exceed um, 60 grams of maple syrup or I can't with the speed that I'm going and, you know, my my body mass. So, um, yeah, so I have 60 grams of maple syrup in a water bottle and I have that uh, throughout the hour. And I'm just like, oh, I've not got any stomach problems. I've My energy and my glucose levels are up. My carbohydrates are up and I am feeling good. Now, my worry is for day two, three and four is... Well, I'd be maple syruped out. <laughs> so I am you'll, testing a few different things. At after the four days, you'll never want to have any form of maple syrup again. I will be ringing Canada, going, <laughs> shut down your maple syrup <laughs> factories, stop making it. Um, yeah, no, I, I know that's my, that is my worry. So I'm not, I'm trying not to overdo it in training. So I'm not sick of it by the time I get to training, but it has been a game changer. When I say game changer, it has been a game changer. And it's finding something that works for you. For some people, gels work, um, you know, more um, savoury based foods. But if maple syrup is working for you, then absolutely do use it. Exactly. I think it's oats before I run. Um, If I eat any solid foods before I run, guaranteed, I'm going to get runner's stomach. So I can't have solids. So I, yeah. So it's just kind of... that reminds me, we were supporting Brian Wood on a challenge that he did when uh, he was on, he's been on this podcast before yeah. and he started off by loving pork pies. They were really getting him through. <laughs> and by the end, he quite literally never wanted to see a pork pie again. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen with you. And there's yeah. a positive experience with maple syrup. But if it's... <laughs> I have a feeling there won't be and I won't have maple syrup again. But if it's going to get me through my runs, then that's good. I think um, my tactic is to fuel before I start running and to fuel after and then to power through with maple syrup and, and hydration. Do you have any recovery tactics and plans that um, you're going to have? Well, so now I'm going on this experience of ice bathing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I find it as amazing as recovery, so I probably will have an ice bath as soon as I finish. Um, just stretch, 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 just making sure that I am keeping myself warmed up and that I cool down because the thing that happens, and I know you runners will understand this. Sometimes you're like, Oh, Oh God, is it that time? Right. Quickly go and run. And you forget to do the warm up, mm. and then you finish your run and then you're all oh, right. I need to get in my car and go home. And it Seems is up. injury. That is literally, if you want to get injuries, do that. Don't warm up and cool down. Um, so I'm just very very mindful that that is like part of the whole experience is before you go running you warm up properly and like I'm learning things like even get the gun out before I run on my legs you know I never thought you should do that but in recent weeks I've been told it does and I did it the other week and I had when I said I had an easy marathon I actually felt quite good just running the entire marathon because I had maple syrup my my rollers before that I went out and I felt Thoroughly warmed up and then had a really good warm down as well. So but all of these things make such a big difference, especially when you're taking on a mammoth yeah. challenge. It is. It's so important. And for me, I don't want long term injuries or, you know, I want to keep injury free, such word. Um, you know, so I am um, doing all I can to. 
I mean, you, you threw in ice bath there as if it was a walk in the park. I tried an ice bath for the first time two weeks ago at one of our shows, and I definitely thought that I was going to not get out of that ice bath. It was horrible. But yeah. I, it, but I did come out and did think that I would do it again, but it's lots of benefits with that. I've got to be honest, I hate ice baths. It's not a hack I'm into. Um, Wim Hof, love his work, but you know what? I could not do what he does. <laughs> Great for you. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> But it's not for me. <laughs> but uh, like I'm sure like running isn't for other people. Um, but yeah, I, it's just not a hack that I can do daily, but I'll do it as part of my, my recovery for Good this. Idea. But yeah, I don't know. These people who are just like, yes, let's, you know, just roll in ice and just like, you know, you see so many people like cutting ice out of like top of a lake or a water and then just yeah. plunging in and coming out again mm-hmm. i went swimming in the irish sea in february with a happy pair and the happy pair are these like crazy plant-based twins who have this community and they go into the sea every morning <laughs> and then go and eat porridge and um nice. and i thought i was going to die i literally <laughs> i couldn't warm up for hours i was really poorly for days later i don't know what i did wrong but it was I just I think it was like hypothermia setting in and it just was not for me but I went running into the sea like my heart rate was massively up and I jumped into this ice cold sea and it's like that's the worst thing you do you could die doing that like you know you've got to get your your heart rate down you've got to breathe properly so yeah we are not meant to do it in the same way that humans are not built to be running 50 miles a day for (laughs) four days in a row but we're going to put ourselves through it, but well, we that's, that's we exciting. Um, p- penultimate question: yeah. What, if if anything, are you are you looking forward to during this project? Are you looking forward to potentially taking yourself to a place that you've never been before in running? You know, whether the mental challenges, but also yeah. the support around you. What are you looking forward to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I am and I'm not looking forward to where this is going to take me mentally. Um, I'm expecting it's going to go to some crazy places. Um, I'm just going to have to, and this is what I'm practicing at the moment, is just kind of leaning into the discomfort, just just being preparing myself for that mentally. Um, So I am quite intrigued. I don't know whether I'm looking forward to it. I'm intrigued to see where it takes me. Good phrasing, yeah. And um, hopefully there'll be a lot of kind of insights and growth from that. Um, I'm looking forward to the connection. I'm not looking forward to Mike Seaman's banter. (laughs) I can attest to that as well. Susie, this this project, this challenge is immense and the reasoning behind it and the, the money that you'll be raising for an incredible charity mm-hmm. is, is equally as important. And we're really excited to be supporting you and really <laughs> happy you. that you're, you, you, we're looking forward to the announcement. You can really start ramping everything up. Yeah. Where can people go to find out more about the challenge, to follow your journey and obviously to donate yeah. towards Mind? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm Susie, S-U-Z-I underscore Shaw, S-H-A-W, on Instagram and I've got my link tree on there, which is in my bio. So the bio's under the picture on my profile page. Um, and if you link in, click into that, you'll see um, my running challenge in there. And so, yeah, just click on that. And any amount is, is really welcome, honestly, you know. Um, I just really appreciate it. And I know Mind will too. Good luck for the rest of training. Thank, Thank you for you. coming on to the podcast. Thank and we're looking you. forward to it. Yes, cheers. <laughs>